Wednesday, May the 12th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, fighting escalates in Israel and Gaza and petrol shortages in America. First, the world in brief. The UN envoy to the Middle East warned that fighting between Israelis and Palestinians was, quote, escalating towards a full-scale war. Israel conducted airstrikes in Gaza, killing at least 35 Palestinians, in response to Hamas and Islamic Jihad firing hundreds of rockets towards southern Israel and Tel Aviv. Five Israelis were killed in the exchange, which started after Israeli police raided Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem to suppress a protest against the expulsion of Palestinian families. Street violence is spreading within Israeli cities with mixed Arab and Jewish populations. The UN Security Council is to hold an emergency meeting today. Georgia, South Carolina and Virginia declared a state of emergency after petrol prices rose and some stations ran dry in America's southeast. On Friday, a hacking attack closed the country's biggest fuel pipeline, sparking panic buying. The hackers, who locked Colonial Pipeline's computers, said they wanted to, quote, make money. Colonial Pipeline said it expects to restore full operations by the end of the week. Seven teenagers and two adults were killed in a school shooting in Kazan, the capital of Tatarstan, a predominantly Muslim republic within Russia. At least 20 others, mostly children, were injured. A 19-year-old suspect is being held. No motive is currently known. In response, a Kremlin spokesperson announced that Vladimir Putin, the president, will impose stricter gun laws. The British government's ambition to, quote, build back better following the pandemic was clarified in a speech given by the Queen detailing its legislative agenda. 30 laws were proposed, with a particular focus on improving infrastructure, enhancing the powers of the security forces, and introducing voter ID for future elections. The Spanish government passed a decree giving food delivery companies 90 days to employ their riders as employees, implementing a Supreme Court decision from last year. Uber, a food delivery giant, said the regulation would hurt workers. It is one of the first such laws in Europe, though the European Commission opened a public consultation on the issue in February. Apple is being sued in Britain over claims it overcharged nearly 20 million customers for App Store purchases, only a week after the opening of a trial in California brought by Epic Games, a video game developer. Both lawsuits alleged that the tech giant exploits developers' dependence on its App Store for access to iPhones to charge a commission of up to 30% on every purchase users make. Apple calls the allegations, quote, meritless. President Juan Orlando Hernandez said Honduras could open a first trade office in China to hasten the delivery of COVID-19 vaccines. Hondurans are confronting a second wave with only 0.3% vaccinated. Honduras is among a few Latin American countries that still recognises Taiwan in favour of mainland China. This is a barely veiled attempt to press America into helping first. And fact of the day. More than 90% of China's cosmetic surgery patients are under 25, and 85% are female. And now, here's today's agenda. Slow, then quick. Germany's climate law. Germany's cabinet will approve a radical revision to the country's climate change law today. Ministers will sign off on a more ambitious carbon emission reduction goal for 2030, 65% compared with 1990 levels, up from 55%, establish one for 2040, 88%, and bring forward the proposed net carbon neutrality year to 2045, from 2050. 
These decisions placing Germany in the global climate vanguard were forced on the government by the Constitutional Court. Last month, it ruled that the vague aspirations of Germany's climate law passed 18 months ago rendered it partly unconstitutional. Declaring new goals is the easy bit. To reach them, the ruling coalition may have to reopen debates that made agreeing on the law so difficult in the first place, notably the phase-out of coal-fired power stations and the level of a carbon price on heating and transportation. And all this comes just as campaigning begins for Germany's general election due in September. Only temporary. Afghanistan's Eid ceasefire. The sighting of the Eid moon tonight or tomorrow will usher in a welcome, if brief, ceasefire for Afghans. The Taliban has ordered its fighters to observe a three-day truce to, quote, provide a peaceful and secure atmosphere to our compatriots. Short suspensions around Eid al-Fitr, which marks the end of Ramadan, are becoming annual. The lull follows an awful week. As many as 85 people, mostly teenagers, died on May 8th when three bombs detonated outside a Kabul school. No one has claimed responsibility. The Taliban blames the local branch of Islamic State. When the Taliban first held an Eid ceasefire in 2018, fighters fraternised with government soldiers and posed for joyful selfies. Militant commanders have since tried to put a stop to such scenes. The Mujahideen must not visit enemy areas, this year's ceasefire order says. Violence is the Taliban's biggest leverage. A religious holiday can be allowed to stop it for only so long. On a roll. SoftBank Group. Just a year ago, SoftBank Group posted a huge annual loss. Today, Son Masayoshi, its founder and CEO, may announce the largest quarterly profit recorded by a listed Japanese firm in three decades. Its $98.6 billion vision fund is expected to report up to $30 billion of profit for the quarter ending March 2021. Copang, a Seoul-based e-commerce superstar, has turbocharged the quarter. Its New York IPO in March contributed between $25 billion and $30 billion to profits. But the fund has problem children too. SoftBank is expected to have taken write-downs on Greensill Capital, a supply chain finance firm, and Oyo Hotels, a struggling Indian hotel chain. Investors will want to know how recent falls in the value of tech stocks have affected SoftBank's portfolio of listed shares and what its risk-taking Northstar Asset Management Unit has been up to. But compared with the bad news Mr Sun has had to deliver in recent years, tomorrow's results will be a welcome change. Gift Shop Museums hawk their masterpieces Today, collectors will be able to bid for a painting by Child Hassan, a celebrated American Impressionist at Sotheby's. The auctioneer is acting for the New York Historical Society, the city's oldest museum. It is contentious for museums to sell their pieces, a practice known as deaccessioning. In 2018, members of the Berkshire Museum in Massachusetts almost prevented it from selling paintings to avoid bankruptcy before the state Supreme Court allowed the sales. But the stigma around hawking art to cover operating expenses, rather than to finance new acquisitions, weakened as the pandemic forced museums to make up for diminished revenue. The Association of Art Museum Directors, a rule-setting body, has allowed deaccessioning for reasons other than acquisition until April 2022. Many museums are taking advantage. But some worry that they will go trophy hunting in their galleries to raise money for programming and renovations, which fall outside their traditional mission of preserving objects.
Expect the debate to outlast the pandemic. Cooking with gas. Home economics. Home economics is more than simply sewing and cooking. A new book reframes the school subject as a revolutionary scientific field. The Secret History of Home Economics by Daniel Dreilinger examines the achievements of the discipline's female pioneers. At a time when women were blocked from many professions, they channeled their domestic skills to set nutritional standards, test fabrics for wartime parachutes, and develop food for astronauts, among other things. Not bad for a subject often dismissed as mere housewife training. Miss Dreilinger also doesn't shy away from home economics' more troubling aspects, particularly its racial and class exclusivity. And although home economists made great strides for children's health, there were darker episodes. Until as late as 1969, infants were, quote, borrowed from local orphanages for months at a time as, quote, practice babies to help female students develop their childcare skills. But despite all this, the book provides overdue recognition of the true importance of, quote, women's work. Finally, Here's the quote of the day from Florence Nightingale, who was born on this day in 1820. Were there none who were discontented with what they have, the world would never reach anything better. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Music.